on today's message from Harvest Church of God. And then wham, here comes that blow. And the next thing you know, everything you had prepared as a defense comes toppling down. Jesus said, yeah, but somebody touched me with expectation. Somebody touched me expecting something to happen. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Do you ever pray with expectation? Do you ever expect God to hear you when you pray? Whatsoever things you ask in my name, I'll do it. I'll take care of you physically, but spiritually, whatever you need spiritually, faith, hope, courage, blessing, whatever it is, I'll take care of that too. Psalm 62 is a division of the Psalms that was written at a very hectic time in David's life. It was a fearful thing, a fearful time. The kingdom was under uh, great oppression. David himself was being sought after by, and it appears that his own son, Absalom, was seeking his demise and was trying to overthrow and become king himself. You know, the people who can hurt you the worst are the people that are closest to you. And uh, David went through the most severe trial of his life when uh, his own son uh, sought him out like an animal and hunted him down and uh, wanted to kill him and destroy him. And it was during this time that this division of the psalm is written. It's amidst the thinking that, that our soul, the 61st one, soul gets disquieted within us and we begin asking our soul, why are you so distraught? Uh, I think Ashley just said, I, I've got to where I worry about a lot of things. And the Bible says, worry not lest you be worried. Yeah. <laughs> worry not lest you get worried. Amen. Now, it, it is very common for us to experience things that uh, try our faith. It's very common and ordinary for us to go through difficulty and hardship and, yes, even op- opposition and obstructions that obstruct your way, that you just can't seem to go forward because of something that is standing in the way. And uh, you, you wrestle with that, you, you go into great detail, you fast and you pray and you read the Word of God and you try to, to solve that problem yourself, but it seems as if nothing you do makes any difference. It's still there and that problem just won't go away. Now, there are some things that are designed by God to teach us and help us through difficulty. The Bible said that the trial of your faith might be found as unto praise unto God, that God intends a praise at the end when you get to that place. But when you're in the midst of it all, seem like I used to sing a song with that title, when you're in the midst of it all, then you, you can't understand all that's going on around you. I've preached a lot of sermons about that, especially in John 15 when he said, I will call you no more uh, servants, for a servant does not know what his Lord is doing. From henceforth, I will call you friends because now I can reveal to you what God's purpose and plan really is. You're mature enough now 
to understand the difficulty, and you are mature and experienced and patient. Boy, there's a good word. I'm patient enough now that I can tell you those things and you will understand them. So what that tells us is that there are people that are all along the spectrum in their development as people of God. In fact, the Bible tells us that when we are first born in the kingdom of God, we're as newborn babes. And the Bible said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Hey, every one of us started small. Every one of us had to crawl before we could walk. Every one of us had to learn certain things to get to this place of mobility. The same is true spiritually. Uh, so many times we put demands and expectations upon people who are newly birthed into the kingdom of God and they scratch their head and they, they just can't understand those kind of things. They haven't learned that lesson yet or they've not uh, discovered that gem of spiritual truth yet and they're still young and they are impatient. They don't have the patience and the experience that people like you have had who've been in the way a long time. Amen. So what that tells us, that there are people with differing degrees of discernment, differing degrees of knowledge of the glory of God, different people who are various degrees of ability to cope with opposition and trial and tribulation. Some folks handle it better than other folks do. Why is that? Because they're further along in this journey. I said they're further along in this journey. They've developed more. Now, it, there, it's one thing to grow old in God, and it's another thing to grow up in God. You understand what I'm saying? Many people have been decades wearing the name Christian but are no further developed than they were years ago because they've not put their heart into it and they've not really put a lot of attention and uh, effort into becoming all that they can be spiritually. And it's easy to get comfortable at a station in life and just hang out there. But as I said earlier, it's a movement. And God's will is that you're always going forward and going on and reaching higher and expanding your borders and getting stronger in faith, stronger in your ability to cope with difficulty and hardship that comes. Amen. Now, I hope you're getting what I'm saying. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a, a man that was especially blessed of God, so talented and so blessed, had an anointing of God that was unlike any other. But David had problems in his life that threw him for a loop. No man probably ever ascended to the crescendo of praise like David did. Nobody could sing praise and worship like David could. Nobody could, could 
expound words of God like David could. He was especially blessed and especially anointed and especially gifted to do that. But he also sunk to such a low level of embarrassing sin and degradation that pulled him down to the depths of despondency. You know, the Bible said for us to take heed when we think we stand. Take heed lest we fall. The Bible tells us when we're assisting another brother, said if you have a, a brother who errs concerning the truth, go to him in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So then this developing is so essential in the mind of God because the more developed and the more we grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, the less likely we are to have those Davidic experiences. In other words, it's God's will that you overcome temptation. It's God's will that you win the battle with the flesh. It's God's will that you go on to victory in these confrontations with things that challenge your faith. Now, the Bible said we walk by, not by. So then if faith is the motivation and if faith is the energy that drives us and directs us and helps us and strengthens us and develops us, then God increase our faith. God increase our faith. I think that's probably the number one prayer that we should pray. But the Bible also says this, despise not the day of small things. Thank God that you've got something. It may be small, but you got something. You may have little faith, but that's something. You may have little patience, but that's something. You may have little courage, but that's something. Rejoice in what you got. Amen. And be motivated to ask God for more. Lord, increase my faith. What a prayer that was. Increase my faith. Jesus looked at those guys on that boat when it looked so bad, and he said, oh, ye of little faith. Well, they got a little. Thank God for a little. It's better than none. Little hope. Well, that's some hope. Thank God for little hope. It's better than no hope. Rejoice in what you've got. And then ask God to multiply it and grow that. This is a, a psalm that David wrote and prepared for the chief musician who at this time was Jeduthun, a psalm of David. And it says, Truly, my soul waited upon God because from him cometh my salvation. From God cometh my deliverance. David is saying, I'm in danger. My, my my life is at a point of danger. There is a person that is seeking my life and wants to destroy me. There's a situation. There's unrest in my, in my kingdom, and there's rebellion, 
and there's a revolution that's going on in my kingdom and my own flesh and blood is leading that rebellion. And they're vicious and they're saying mean things about me. And they're even telling things that aren't true, uh, the Bible says about him. He said, the Lord is the one who is the originator of my salvation. Many are the affliction. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Boy, what a verse that is. Many are the afflictions. That tells us that none of us in this room are immune from afflictions. And that none of us in this room are excused from having to walk this journey and walk this path of faith. None of us are. In fact, the Bible said that it's common to man. There are things that happen in this life that happens to all of us. He only, number two, he only. Somebody say only. God only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. He is my defense and I shall not be greatly moved. What do you mean greatly moved? The rains came down and the floods came up. And the foolish man's house washed away. But there's another person in that parable and it calls him a wise man, a foolish man, and a wise man. A wise man built his house upon the rock. He had a foundation that all of his building rested upon. He had built upon something that was so solid that when the rains came down and the floods came up, the wise man's house stood firm. Why? Because it was built upon a rock. You see, if you build your house of faith upon the rock, which is Christ Jesus, then the storm clouds will not greatly move you. If you build your house and you put your family upon that rock, which is the Lord Jesus, then the floods will come, the storms will come, the thunder, the lightning, and all that goes with the peril of such an affliction. But he said, the house stands firm because it's connected to the rock. Connected to the rock. Do you know who is the rock? He only is my rock. He only is my rock. I don't have a second choice or a third choice. I only have one, and that's the he only is my rock. Psalm 65 says, and when my heart is overwhelmed, does your heart ever get overwhelmed? Do you ever face something that shakes you? Do you ever come to grips with something that you just can't cope with? And it shakes you to your foundation. 
You know, this COVID pandemic has created many difficult situations for many, many families. Many families. Everything has changed forever for many families. There are people that found pink slips in their locker and was expecting a good retirement and expecting a good pension, and they're told that's not going to happen. There are people that have been shaken to their foundation. Such strain and stress has been put upon families that all of the numbers are up that are problematic for families, separations and divorces and that kind of thing. Why, Pastor? It's because when you're tense and times are desperate and when you're worried about many things as Martha was, worried about many things, it's bad enough to be worried about one thing, but when you're worried about many things, it's enough worry to have one wayward child, but when you got two or three, you're worried about many things. There are people that will don't see any way out. Suicides are on the rise. People who have no hope. They don't have a, a rock in their life. But when my heart is overwhelmed, Lord, lead me to that rock that is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me. Thou art my high tower. Thou art my shield. Thou art my buckler. Oh, hallelujah. You're the one who is my rock. My whole life is built upon my relationship with you. My ability to withstand storms depends upon my relationship with you. My ability to survive and outlast my temptations and trials and affliction depends upon my relationship with my rock. Thou and thou alone art my rock. You're the one thing that remains when all else has crumbled. You're my rock and you're my salvation. You're my defense. My defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Notice that word greatly. It means a catastrophic thing that moves you. I shall not be greatly. It's destruction. It's, it's something that causes great calamity. And it's a malady that, that destroys and causes great loss. He is my defense, and I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. Now the construction here in the Hebrew language puts the verb and the, the predicate and the subject complement in a little bit awkward place because it really is that his enemies are saying this about him. You're like a bowed fence. 
That bowed fence, the original Hebrew means you're like a leaning fence. A leaning fence. What is a leaning fence? It's one that's about to fall over. If your fence is leaning, you might better repair your fence. Because if you don't fix your fence, if things stay like they are, your fence is about to hit the ground. Thou art as a leaning fence and as a wall that is about to topple over, he says. A tottering fence. You got a bowing wall and a tottering fence. What does that mean? That means I don't have very much defense. That means everything I have prepared for me for this moment to defend and take care of me and preserve me is in bad repair. And all it needs is somebody to come along and kick it and down it goes. My wall is tottering. My fence is leaning. What does that mean? That means times are bad. That means you got one pinch of meal in the barrel and a couple of drops of oil in the cruise. That means it's about as bad as it's going to get. Could I tell you that the enemy of our souls always knows the time to approach us and the time to entrap us and ensnare us and come against us? He always knows that that time that is least profitable for you and the most destructive. He loves to catch you when you're at your worst. He loves to catch you when you're a spiritual anemic. You're not well fed. You're spiritually hydrated. You're physically tired. You're mentally wore out at your wit's end. Am I describing it pretty good? And then, wham! Here comes that blow. And the next thing you know, everything you had prepared as a defense comes toppling down. That happened in 1929 in this country. Most of you aren't old enough to remember anything like that. I wasn't born at that time either, thank be to God. They called it a depression. And when people found out their money was drying up, they ran to banks and made a run on banks to try to find whatever they could left of their fence. There were people that jumped out of those tall buildings in New York. Hundreds of suicides because the fence they had put up. I've got this much in savings. I've got this much invested. I'm safe. Nothing can touch me. Nothing can harm me. Listen, the Bible said when a man thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. The Bible warns us about trusting in riches. And it warns us about trusting in, in, in physical, earthly, worldly things. 
And he tells us that the only thing that will endure, that will be a fence that will withstand, is lay up in store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Put some prayer up there. Put some service to God up there. Put some teaching, preaching, living for God. Put some of that up in heaven. Lay up in store for yourselves treasures in heaven. What are you doing? I'm building a fence the devil can't kick down. So they're telling him that you are, you're like a, a, a your, your defenses, you're, you're, you're poorly defended would be the word. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth and they curse inwardly. Inwardly. One trait that the devil loves to use more than any other one is, as us Indians used to say, him speak with forked tongue. What does that mean? It means he talks out of both sides of his mouth. That means they'll fool you if you're not careful because they sound like it. But what was it James said, Brother Don, about a, a mouth that spits out blessings and cursings at the same time? Ought not to be. Is that what it says? Ought not to be. He said, is it okay for a spring to give forth bitter water and sweet water at the same time? He said, no, that don't happen. He said, when you find a spring of water, it's going to be either one or the other. No wonder he said, let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. For a lot of Christians, our yea is a maybe. Maybe. He said, they rejoice in lies. The delight is in lies. And then he says that, talks to himself. Anybody here talk to yourself? Trish was honest. The only one I saw in that corner back there that was honest was Trish. I talked to myself. Now, everybody's in the, in the world rooms wanting to know, well, what did you say? She ain't telling that. Do you ever talk to yourself? Listen to what David says to himself. My soul. My soul. Not your soul, but my soul. Wait. Thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Woo. Ever talk to your soul? You know what's so important is that you listen. Do you ever listen to your soul? It's important that when you talk to your soul, that you listen. That your soul puts up those antennas and said, I'm perked up. I got it. I'm tuned in. 
what? Why will you just not wait upon God for my expectation, my faith, my senses tell me that there's something that God is going to do for me? Now, the height of that expectation, the biggest one I can think of is when there was, Jesus was on his way to the centurion's house. The centurion had come to him and said, Lord, my little girl is very sick. I don't even know if she's still alive. But if you will come, if you will send the word, she will be healed. She'll, she'll be all right. I expect that if you say the word, she will live and she'll be all right. And Jesus said, let's go. And they start walking through town. And there's this little woman. We don't know her name. She's one of those nameless women that happened to be on the side of the road. But she'd heard about Jesus. And she heard that he's a healer. They heard that he's a miracle worker. She heard that he's a life changer. And she said this. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know, I know, I expect, I know I'll be healed. I'll be made whole. And brother, when the commotion came and right down Main Street and the throng was all around the Lord Jesus and he was on his way to do the healing miracle and raise the girl from the dead. If he did whatever needed to be done, he was going to go do it. And as he was going, that little woman got close enough, and the Bible said she had an issue of blood. She was weak, but she kept up the pace, and she kept going, and she kept going until she finally got close enough that she reached out there, and she touched him in the border of his garment. And immediately, immediately, she was healed of her issue, just like she expected. I said, just like she expected. Just like she had stated. And listen, the Bible said, and Jesus stood still. I preached one time, Michelle, about... Stopping Jesus in his tracks. Stopping Jesus in his tracks. There's one thing that'll stop him in his tracks. What is that? Carlos, that's when somebody touches him with expectation. It'll stop him every time. The Bible said, and Jesus stood still. And then he said, who touched me? Who touched me? Peter said, the one who's got the answer to everything. Why, well, Lord, there's people all around you. It could have been him or her or that one over there. He's been close to you, but there's people all around you. Jesus said, yeah, but somebody touched me with expectation. Somebody touched me expecting something to happen because I feel, Jesus said, I feel that healing virtue has gone out of my body and touched somebody that touched me. 
Oh, that's the hope of every one of us here today is that we can touch him and then have him touch us, that he'll touch us back when we reach out and expect that we'll touch him. And when we touch him, when we touch him, when we touch him, praise God, he'll touch you back. Hallelujah. He said, my expectation is from God. I, I got this hope. I got this courage. I got this belief from God himself. I got it from reading his love letters to me in the Psalms. I got it from reading the epistles, the letters that he sent me. Every one of them said to me that there's an expectation you ought to have. You ought to expect something when you pray. The Bible said when you pray, believe, and you will have it. The Bible said whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe, and it will ha happen. Praise God. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Do you ever pray with expectation? Do you ever expect God to hear you when you pray? My expectation is from thee. Verse 6, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Well, praise God, he's grown a little bit. Somewhere between those two verses, he grew. Because when he was up there in that previous verse, he said, I shall not be greatly moved. Now he just said, I shall not be moved at all. Oh, you didn't get that. That's shouting stuff, folks. I put that in that sermon so you'd shout. I shall not be greatly moved, but... Two verses later, he said, I shall not be moved at all. Hey, that's what I call growing in God. You get to the place that the question becomes, if I can expect God to do it, God will do it. God will take care of it for me. I don't have to worry about being wiped out. I shall not be moved. Woo! Pardon me, I get a little Pentecostal sometimes. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Listen, trust in Him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Come on, Olivia. You know, the Bible said, despise not the day of small things. Don't despise little faith, because that's some faith, and God can multiply it. He multiplies fishes and loaves. He multiplies faith. He can do what you can believe him for. Whatever you expect, God can do what you expect him to do. Trust in him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. David said, he is the shade upon my right hand. The shade upon my right hand. You see, when the Israelites fought battles, they held the shield in their left hand. They had the sword 
in their right hand. And as they were fighting, they would fight off the blows and they would fight, but their right side was exposed. The right hand was unprotected. The left side and the left, you'll get this in a minute. And what David said was, my protection on the side where I don't have a shield is God. He takes care of the right side. I got the shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts on the left side, but God is the shade upon my right hand. While my right hand is fighting and my left hand is shielding, the Lord is the shade upon my right hand. Buddy, I could preach a long time right there about the right hand. You know who's at the right hand right now? His name is Jesus. You know what he's doing at the right hand? He's being a shade for me. He's my, my mediator. He is the man between me and God. He's the propitiation of my, my sin. Praise God. He's the price of my redemption. He's the shade upon my right hand. Trust in God, all ye people. Then look at verse 9. It says, surely men of low degree. And what he's doing, he said, don't trust in men. What does the next first verse say? Trust in God at all times. What's the next verse say? Don't trust in men. Why is that? Because people will disappoint you. But God never disappoints. People will fail you, but God will never fail you. People will lie to you and lie about you. But God, it's impossible for him to lie. His words are truth and his words, hallelujah, his words are sure. Surely men of low degree are vanity. And listen, he says, a high degree, they're, they're, they're a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If you could go steal, he says, don't even let that enter your mind. Because if you've got God, you don't need to steal anything. Set not your heart upon them. Love the verse. God has spoken once. And twice have I heard this. Calvin said, sometimes God speaks twice and you don't hear it once. This time God said it once and you heard it twice. He said it once and you heard it twice. How'd you hear it two times? Because I heard it with these ears here one time. But the second time I heard it, I heard it with my heart. First time I heard it, I heard it with this physical ear. Second time I heard it, I heard it with my spiritual. Whoo, boy, you're going to get that in just a minute. Brother, God said it once, but I heard it twice. Not only did it speak to me physically, it spoke to me spiritually. Not only is he going to supply my physical need, he's also going to supply my spiritual need. Whatever I need physically, he has said, you'll never see the righteous forsaken and you'll never see his seed out begging for bread. Whatsoever things you ask in my name, I'll do it. I'll take care of you physically, 
But spiritually, whatever you need spiritually, faith, hope, courage, blessing, whatever it is, I'll take care of that too. Why is that? Because what I heard from God twice is this, that power, power, dunamis, power belongs unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou rendest to every man according to his works. What does that mean? That means I can trust God that right will win out. It means I can trust God that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It means I can trust God, know ye not that the judge of all the earth will do right, that justice will prevail, that right doing will win out, truth will overcome. Praise God. And I can rest in that. I can take that to the bank because that's what will stand when the world's on fire. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Praise God. Thank you. That's what will stand. That's what will stand. Build your life on that. Is God your rock today? Anybody in this house say, I've got a rock? God is my rock. I don't have to borrow your rock. He's my rock. Come on, somebody. I don't have to ride somebody else's experience or tag along on somebody else's coattail. God is my rock. And the power is of God. All the power. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in the earth. Wow. If Jesus has got all the power, listen to what he said. Now I'll let you go. Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye, you, shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. The power. Behold, I give you power, Jesus said. I want you to believe when you leave this place, you got a rock. You got a shelter. The power is of God. And listen to your soul when it talks to you. Thank you, God, for letting us be in your house today. I thank you so much for this anointing and this liberty to share your word this morning. There are people that are in this room that have been in difficult places in the last year. There are people who own businesses, God, that they've wondered if they're going to make it through this crisis. There are people, oh Lord, that are struggling physically that are in this audience today. And I love them and I, I thank you for every one of them. And they're just wondering, am I going to get well from this? Am I going to overcome this? And how am I going to get past this? But Lord, help them to know right in this conclusion of this message that the power is from God. That God has the power. I thank you, O oh Lord as your instrument, your vessel today that you've used to communicate this word. And now I expect, oh God, that everyone in this house is going to grow and be stronger, that everyone in this house is going to have that move that we said we needed a few minutes ago. I pray, oh God, for moms and dads and children and families, Lord, that you would stir your spirit in every family of this church and that every one of them would realize that we're part of that rock 
which is Christ Jesus the Lord. Go with us now, O Lord, as we leave this place and go out into the world to be light and salt. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.